You are now listening to the Superhero Education Podcast, featuring Professor Eugene Pitchford and Dr. Steve Gurner. We are real educators tackling the real topics in education. Listen to be informed, inspired, and entertained. With no further ado, here are your hosts to the Superhero Educators Podcast. We want to welcome everyone to another edition of the Superhero Education Podcast. I am Eugene. Steve? How are you doing, Eugene? Can't complain, man. Can't complain. Uh, having, a, having a pretty good day. You know, perfect time to drop another podcast for our listeners. And we have a, you know, a really important topic that has evolved since the last time we did traditional education virus. Like, so we're doing part two of that conversation. And Steve's a lot has happened, changed, fears. I think when we did our last show on this, it was maybe about a month ago. It was that right? Mid March. Yeah, about a, yeah. And there's a lot of things that we know now that we didn't know before. And so, man, it's been it's been a crazy time, man. Uh, everybody's working from home. Wearing masks. Steve, do you have a mask? I do not. I have not worn a mask yet. You do, though. I've seen pictures. You have one. I do. I, I do. I do have a mask. Um, do you wear it when you go out or just around the house? When are you using a mask? Well, I'm not supposed to go outside. So um, at different points, my family, some of my family members don't want me to get too close. So I have to wear a mask in my own house. We'll talk about that as the show goes on. But Steve, I want to see you in a mask. That might be something your family will want you to do even after I can this only is make all that over. Happen. They may want you to keep doing that. Hey, I don't want your germs, man. I, I, really, I, I, really, I really don't want your germs. And, you know, you got to stay safe as possible. But Steve, I'm going to start this off with you. I know for a fact my answer is different from yours. How has the coronavirus affected you personally, your family, your life? Take it away. Uh, this was a question, so you brought it up last month. We talked about it mid-March, same question. Uh, it was early on at that point. I, it has not changed my life minus the loss of the social engagements. So obviously working at home, everybody's in that for the most part. Uh, people are working at home, not everybody, but for the most part, uh, people are working at home. So that obviously changed a lot, working at home. But besides that, the minus the social engagements. So not much in a month has changed for me. I don't wear the mask. I go out to the stores, grocery shopping, things like that. I know people are looking negatively a couple times at me, but I don't, uh, it hasn't changed me. I know for you it's, it's changed quite a bit, but. Do you wear uh, gloves? I don't wear gloves. No mask, no gloves. 
I am probably continuing. I am the person that's trying to continue as much as I can normal operations. Are you wearing clothes when you go to the store? I do wear clothes. Okay, okay. That, that that's a good continue. starting point. Okay. That has not changed. Okay. But for so you, it's, it's, it seems like for you, it's totally changed how you yeah, operate so and go about your day-to-day -day business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so this is my first time really talking about it because I guess this will be public. So it's my first time really hopping on this conversation publicly. A few people privately know this, but um, um, came down with the virus. Um, had many of the symptoms uh, with the compromised breathing, the body aches, getting hot and cold, um, the, the, the headaches, the nausea, um, the diarrhea, um, so yeah, it's kind of changed. It's just changed some things for me. Um, quarantine myself into this room that I'm in, I am in right now. Um, I have been in quarantine since April 2nd. So, um, so nationally, it's, it's been frustrating. Nationally, you're in the category that's what we're seeing across the country, more African-American, more African-American males have the symptoms of COVID-19 than the rest. And I would say I'm white male than the white males in our country. So you, you fit in that category. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's, it's, it's been rather frustrating at times, like just the challenge of getting a test, um, the challenge of there's no medicine that anybody could give you. Um, basically, the medicine that I've had up to this point has just been pain medication um, just to manage the pain. Um, I've only been to probably three places since we stopped working. And so I really have no clue. What's scary is I have no clue where I caught it. And I have no clue if I have given it to someone else. So that's the part that's a little scary for me. So yes, in our household, we have the gloves, we have the mask, um, you know, constantly disinfecting, quarantine. Well, I, I do miss some of the interaction with my family, but at the same time, just being quarantined, you just want to get out. I, I feel like I'm a, like a, like I'm an animal um, in a cage. And so, yeah, so I guess my, my current reality is a little bit different from yours, but that's kind of been my reality. Um, I've known so many people that have caught it. I've known one person that has died from it. So I probably look at it a little different than maybe someone that doesn't have it. Yeah, I think we, I think we are looking at it differently. I think our actions are different accordingly. So how does that... Let's get, let's fast forward. School starting, let's even push it out to August. School starting end of August, beginning of September. How are things changed for you? Man, um, you know, that's a great question. Um, 
it's it's really uncertain, unknown, only because I haven't really seen much research on if you can get it again twice. Like I'm I'm hoping you can't. Um, I haven't seen any research on it one way or the other. So I'm a little nervous. And in the profession that we are in, we're around people. And we're enclosed with people. And for those of you who know me, I'm a people person. I'm like, I'm out and about, like, I'm going 3,000 miles an hour. I'm interacting. I'm, 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 I'm in the middle of people all the time. So it does make me think, if I got it like this, are there things I need to do to prevent myself from getting it again? And though it's a question I just can't answer. Um, but it is in the back of my mind. Like, there's no way I can avoid being around people. Handshakes. Your hand no, oh, no. Handshakes are done. See, that's, that's where we have a different, different side here. I have no problem, no problem doing the handshakes. Uh, we get in August. We get to where we're opening up businesses. Things are going back to normal. I definitely am employing the handshake. And you're saying you would not shake hands. Not. Here's what you're going to get from me. Here's what you're going to get from me. I am going to give you the black man's head nod. Or I'm giving you the Wakanda X. You used to give me the, you used to give me a hug, which I didn't think was appropriate at all times, but you are now going to. Wait, wait, hold tight. Hold tight. Not do a handshake. Wait, 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 hold tight. Hold tight. Hold tight. Wait, 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 hold tight. I don't want the listeners to get, get confused by your nonsense there. We are not on a hug-to-hug basis. I just want to make that very clear. All right. I rejected it a lot of times, but let's just go forward and say you will not do a handshake. I don't think that's going to last. I think now because people are in the midst of it, I think we're seeing some things that are uh, – it probably makes sense, right? We shouldn't do it now. But I think when we get back to – to everything rolling in society, I still think people are going to uh, shake hands. I think that'll be a normal, normal Let process. Let me tell you why I don't want to handshake with people. I never, ever, ever want to feel like I'm having trouble breathing. Like just going through that forces me to change. It was the most bizarre thing. And, and to be honest with you, when I had a lot of the other symptoms, I never thought coronavirus, not one time, until I started noticing I was out of breath for simple things. And that's when it hit me like, oh, this is serious. I, I, can't, I can't mess around. Like, I never, ever, ever want to be quarantined in a family room ever again. So what else changes? So you're saying right now, which we disagree on, you're saying no handshake. What else changes as you get back? It's it's beginning of September. You're back in the classroom. No hands. I am, I am super nervous about being around a lot of people because I was not around a lot of people and caught it. Like, I'm super nervous. And maybe all this dies off when there's a vaccine or something that says you can't get it twice. But I'm super nervous, Steve. I can't even lie to you. I would be lying to you if I said so that I wasn't would- nervous. That would be tough as we're thinking of other teachers out there in their classroom. That would be tough to say I'm going to be around because it's not possible. I, I need to teach 
my first graders, I need to teach my high schoolers. I can't limit the amount of people I'm around. So and you know, could be a me. challenge is what you're saying for, for right. people. And, and you know me. I'm in a mix of people all the time from many different places. So does it there has to be a testing? It has it to be a testing. You then the social distancing. Are there going to be little policies at schools that say only so many people gathering around? See, I don't think that'll happen. I think we'll go back to as, as I think people will miss the social piece. I think I disagree. I disagree. I disagree with you, Steve. I, let me say it this way. I don't think you can accomplish social. From my understanding right now, it'll be hard to social distance in a school. But I think many school settings will try. I just don't know how you do it. Like I've thought about it. Like a lot of sleepless nights, I've thought about like, I've thought of two different places, schools and churches. And I know, we, I know we're not a church religion podcast, but I thought about how do you social distance really good in schools and church? And I've been in a lot of debates with people about this. And I talked to people about churches and schools and, and just ways of brainstorming how you could social distance. Number one, testing. Can people get tests and get quick response? Okay, that's the obvious one. Okay, so number two, how do you social distance in a classroom? So one of the things that, that keeps coming up, and I think teachers would like it, but I don't think it solves the problem, is having less students in a classroom. It sounds great. So no teacher is going to argue with having 15 kids in a room. The problem is you're still coming in and out the same door. The, as a teacher, you still have to walk through a class like, where do you teach? Inside this box? That's just not me. I'm all over the place. So um, then if you're in a K-12 school or a university, people are walking by, another class is coming through, bathroom breaks, recess. Um, what do you do in a cafeteria? Do you limit people? At certain, like, it's just, I don't see a way, I don't see a way social distancing can work in a school setting, unless a high school where you a high school or a high school teacher may have 150 students rotating throughout the day. I don't think it's necessary. I, I don't even think it's necessary. I think the social distancing we're doing it for a time now because it's necessary. You're assuming this will be necessary as we go forward. I'm saying what's going to change is nothing the social distancing we won't have to worry about that when we're coming september what we'll have to worry about is or not worry what'll change in education will be the virtual side of things i think okay the learning will be important but not the social distancing i think that's something we're not going to worry about and that was my third point now that, that was the very next point i was going to get to is e-learning what does that look like going forward? Um, universities have an advantage because they can offer online classes. Um, K-12, K-12 usually offer enrichment learning uh, via e-learning. But here's where, and, and I think here's the one thing I think me and you agree on. I am guessing 
that for K-12 and for the universities, they're going to see a drop in student enrollment. You're going to see a increase in for enrollment for homeschooling and virtual learning. No knock against traditional teachers. This is not a, a knock against them. This is just the next, the next thing, the next phase. And you often say, I've heard you say it, and maybe your stance has changed. You also believe that's the next phase, but will it produce academic results? That's the part nobody knows. I definitely, so I disagree with you on the social distancing. I disagree with you on the handshakes. You're wrong on those two. On this one, you are correct. Except in the point of, I don't think you're going to see much of an uptick in homeschooling per se, where you're saying every single day you're going to be with the parents because parents are still working out there in high numbers. So I think you'll see virtual learning increase. And by that, I mean, I think schools are going to be creative. Many schools are going to think through this and go, you know what? Uh, we have middle school students. Do they have to be here in the building 20, uh, do they have to be in your, not, I was going to say 24 seven, do they have to be in the building seven hours a week or can they, with a teacher or can they do some of this virtual learning? Maybe they go to the computer lab at the school and they work through the exercises that way. And there's a teacher helping them, or maybe there's no teacher helping them. And they just ask uh, virtually some questions if they have questions on content. So I think the homeschooling is not going to be a big increase, but I think the virtual learning knowing that you have this many students on the virtual learning platforms now, I don't think we're going back to how it was traditionally. So I, I do agree with you. That's going to have a strong, strong increase, but I think it's going to be through creative methods. I don't think we have to have high school students going to high school every single day anymore. I think we can do some hybrid virtual, virtual learning. So well, Steve, I, I does, think that's doesn't what that we'll go see. back to the, doesn't that go back to your criticism of who's going to be at home watching the kid? Well, I, I, think, I think schools will open up. Some schools in some areas are going to say, come here. Um, but we're going to have one teacher. Maybe we'll have one teacher, fourth grade teacher for 50 students and 25 are doing virtual learning. 25 are with the teacher and they do some rotation. I think it opens up a lot more creativity for, for schools. I think budgets, they'll look at budgets and financial, how they can make um, some savings from this. I think that's all changing as I we're completely, going. I completely disagree with you. I, uh, I, I think that, you. That, that universities and K-12 will have to figure out how to, how to expand their, their e-learning models. Now well, that's what that's what I'm saying. They have to. But yeah. where it gets tricky, where it gets tricky is traditionalists, and I don't consider you a traditionalist, and I don't consider myself a traditionalist, but that's a direct threat and a direct shot to them. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But I think that's and, any kind of innovation comes with some threat, right? There's always a threat, and there's always innovation happening, and I think this is good for education. I think. I don't think we should be scared of this. I think this is something that could be very exciting. How can we be, have better success with students using technology even more than we did in the past? I think that's very exciting. I, I still have a concern 
on the university side of this to where you're bringing in kids from all across the country. Some spots where it's dry, some spots where there's hot spots. You have basically kids three to a room in a room made for two people. There, there's literally no way to social distance if need be on a university's campus. There's no way to socially distance in a K-12 setting. Again, and I, so I disagree. You're that hoping that's... no one isn't sick, but the reality is it's not true. It's but not I disagree true. with you. What if that's not needed? You and I disagree yeah. on that. I'm saying it's not needed. So where, where the hot spots at? New York. Do we have kids from New York? Yep. Hot spots in Florida. Do we have kids in Florida? Yep. Hot spots in Michigan. Do we have kids from Michigan? Yep. So you're saying we will continue in 2021 social distancing ourselves? I think for the fall. I'm even saying before you start, I disagree. Go ahead. I disagree. I'm saying for the fall, until there's reasonable testing, you have to do something different when we come back in the fall. I don't know what that's, excuse me. I don't know what that something is, but something has to be done differently in the fall. It can't go back to exactly to the way it was. Why can't it? Some, then you're asking to, you're asking for a second round. If my barbershop's open, my grocery store is open, I am going to my local restaurant and everybody is clicking along doing well, why would I do something different? Because that's the problem. That's, that, that's it. That's it. That's, that's it right there. You, you hit on something really key that you're doing well. See, people with this virus, there's three phases. There's people like you who don't go to the doctor. Yes, I'm saying it on the air. There's people like Steve who don't go to the doctor. But guess what? Steve has no symptoms, but he has it. So that's, that's group one. Then there's a bunch of Steves out here. I can name them for you. Then there's group two, like Eugene, who gets it, has some symptoms and discomfort, but eventually it goes away. Then there's group three. They just really tear up their lives for real. The problem goes back not from three, not from two, the problem is you, Steve. The problem is people who have no symptoms going to the barber shop, going to the grocery store, hanging out with people, shaking hands. Well, you will end up spreading it to someone who don't their bodies don't respond the way you're you're blessed. We're not we're not talking we're not talking April mid-April, going to the barber shop, stores, shaking hands. Obviously, this is a serious, uh, something really serious now for society and for our country. That can't be minimized. I'm saying we're talking September. We fast forward into September, October, talking to school setting. And I'm saying when we're in September, October, and we're, and we're back doing those things, I'm not seeing the need for social distancing in a, in a school setting. Okay, so... I have one question for you. And it's really not a disagreement. It's a question. What do you see happening different between now and September? 
different as far as our actions or different as far as what? Could be well, are, are you are you under the belief that by September this is a mute point? Like the coronavirus won't be a thing. Yes. I think we're back. We disagree. I, I think we're absolutely back. If you're if you're saying uh September, October, absolutely I feel extremely confident that as a country we're turning the curve in this will will there be something covid 20 covid 21 uh the next obstacle i think we always will have obstacles and i think we always have to figure out how to problem solve it so do i think we're going to be covid 19 and be social distancing in, in september no i don't here's what i think should happen because once again there's three different levels there's people getting it that don't know it, no symptoms. Then there's people like me. Then there's people that's dying. So here's my suggestion. Play it out the way it is until January. Because if you're going to have a second wave, it would have happened by then. Play it out till January, then come back. You do online learning the first, first half from September through, through December. Come back January. That way we know it's out the system. Well, the problem with that is that might work in, we could make that happen with, in a school setting, correct? I'm concerned with the people that have the small businesses, the small shops, the places where they have to lay off their workers to go till January makes, makes no sense because I don't think that's, that's good for, uh, our economy, our way over, of life, and our lifestyles. Can't put business over health. Never well, you, you can. How many people are going to get stressed out? I'm going to have huge health problems that I don't have now if you're taking away my livelihood. I got huge health problems now because of the virus. Correct, correct. So I don't think we, I don't think we can say, let's just arbitrarily, I think every time, and as we're talking about this, we obviously understand even though we disagree on, on most of this, we understand the seriousness of what we're going through now. And that's why I think we have to take it very lightly when we start pushing these dates out to say, I don't like the idea that we're pushing dates out a month ahead, two months. I think we got to go a lot smaller increments just because it's people's livelihood um, at stake as well financially that I don't think people can recover from so quickly. So I don't believe we should do a, a month ahead, two months ahead, three months ahead, because so much is changing. The way we're going to find out in medicine and, and the vaccines and things could happen quickly that I don't think we should put these arbitrary dates out so fast. Yeah, I'm praying for like a vaccination or, or something or some form of test. I believe the testing will probably be, be here quicker than the vaccination. But honestly, I'm pretty nervous. I'm I'm pretty nervous, especially when I can't pinpoint where I got it. Sure. And it's not like I was running around recklessly going to places and touching things. Like, I thought I followed the rules and I still got it. I mean, so. Sure. But you're again. I'm just a little. You're again in a higher risk category, right? So you have pre-existing sure. conditions. Absolutely. That, that puts you in, in, a, in a higher risk category. Um, again, I don't think no one's minimizing it or saying the seriousness is we're talking about 
Um, what does this look like? How do we navigate through this in the education world? How do we navigate this through in society as we go forward? I, I think thinking about too, we'll have a break here of several months. We're gonna get through the summer. We're gonna have um, the summer months to really hopefully everyone gets healthy, hopefully everyone gets refocused, but people are gonna be really used to the online learning and the virtual learning. And I really wonder how many schools and teachers are really thinking about that now and thinking about how can I do some things, continue to do some of these lessons? How do I keep it engaging for students when we return? Because I don't think, and we agree with this, I don't think it's gonna be a normal um, back to back to what we always did and I'm gonna get rid of all my engaging virtual learning apps and exercises and projects that I did with students. I think teachers are going to want to incorporate those in and even more ideas. I think the question will be is how do they do it? How does it look? And um, all those questions about really the format of it. Right, and, and the conversations that we're talking about school to the listeners out there, um, it, it goes into uh, many other places. Like I know, um, I know a church and I'm not going to name the church on air, but I know a church that's um, hosting a funeral on Saturday. And I believe the state limit is 10 people. So you have the musician, you have the pastor and the family can bring eight people in. Um, it's just, it's just, it's just an interesting space. But Steve, I want, I want to, I want to talk about something that that's bothering me about this situation. I, I want to talk about something that's bothering me um, in this phase of learning. Now, the last time we talked about traditional education and coronavirus going against each other, we saw several patterns of how students were being academically engaged during this time. We saw work packets. We saw online learning and enrichment computer programs. And, and also, what also emerged is that there were several, like there are many, some, not many, I'm just saying there are places where teachers were actually recording their lessons and virtually sending it to students. So I'm not sure what you call that, but that was also happening. So we, we, we saw predominantly three different ways of engaging students throughout this process. One of the things that just hurt my heart for a number of reasons is when you have districts, and districts would be public, or different school entities, which would be private, what has hurt my heart is when you've had districts and entities, private schools, public and private schools, that have not engaged kids at all. It completely breaks my heart. Now, and I could get on educators because I'm an educator myself. So this is not someone from the outside of education talking about it. There's no way that you could justify not attempting to educate kids. It bothers me. I will argue with anyone to end to end. It's, it's wrong. It's dirty. And you would not want that happening to your kids. Yeah, I would hope that number is extremely small. I haven't heard. 
I've heard it. And many that are not engaging at all. Okay, so districts that weren't prepared and have nobody's prepared. No district or school entity was prepared. But here's what I'm saying. Let me make this a little clearer. If you gave a work packet a month ago, correct, and correct. no one's and no one's grading it, yeah, correct. There's no feedback, and there's not another round to it. You are disrespecting kids, and it's people I know personally, and it's people I've heard all across the country. It's not good education. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think. I'd hope that number is extremely small, but it is a moral issue as well, because you would not, like you said, that's not something you'd want for your own loved one, your son, daughter, your niece, nephew. You wouldn't want that happening. And if that happens, and it happened in March, we will go all the way from March until September with no teaching. And imagine that gap with those students. That gap of learning that's will be what I'm too saying. great to overcome for lots of um, students. Imagine what that looks like in the fall, Steve. With okay, so take I'll take your side of the I'll take your side of the coin. <clears throat> we come back in the <clears throat> we come back in the fall as is, ready to go. Like for the people who struggle with classroom management, can you imagine what the classroom management is going to be for the people who struggle to academically engage students, and the kids are now behind? Can you imagine what this looks like? Like, so when we're talking about when you said, Steve, prepare, well, not you, me, well, both of us, uh, when we were talking about, you know, having a contingency plan for online learning and, you know, altering a couple things here or there, you know, a little less on your side, a little more on my side, but, but scrap that. Do you know what people need to be prepared for is this learning gap of, of individuals not being engaged. Now, you can still do all the things the way I want you to do it, the way Steve wants you to do it. And you'll have kids that will learn at different levels. But it's another thing to neglect kids of an opportunity to learn. And I don't want to hear, I refuse to hear this as legitimate pattern. Well, when they came to pick up food, we gave them a work packet. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. No one's grading it. Yeah, I would, I would think you can't say at one moment that you're going to have the student with you as a teacher for six, seven hours a day, and that handing a packet would be the same thing as being with a high-performing teacher for six, seven, eight hours a day. That wouldn't make any sense at all or, or wouldn't pass the test, right, of uh, to say that that's a valid example. So absolutely teachers need to be engaged they actually need to think through everything because you just brought up a point when it comes when they're back if i'm virtual learning the whole time or i'm not getting much learning at all that classroom management will be a nightmare because i was used to doing my thing during the day and getting connected with the teacher through a video and doing my activities online is a lot different than sitting there listening to the teacher when the teacher is giving directions to get in groups, to line up, to interact in a certain way. You're right, classroom management's gonna be a struggle, and then just routine, 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 routine. So I'd encourage, as teachers are working now with students virtually, I would still keep a lot of routines in, in practice. It'll be different, but routines will be important to practice now and continue those. Yeah, I'm worried for this August return. Also, 
state testing. If schools are being judged by state tests, can you imagine what these test scores are going to look like in the spring? Well, maybe they'll realize that the test, there's more than just the test Good score. Point. And that Good could point. be a positive thing, even if they said we don't need them because we didn't have them this last year and we, life went on. Because my contention would be is we know what students we need extra help with. We know what students right. can't read. We know what students struggle with computing. We don't need, teachers don't a lot of times need uh, to spend two weeks on a test to figure out which students are struggling. Teachers need more resources. Teachers need more assistance. Teachers need more time. They don't need to know, oh, I'm, I'm surprised. Never in my, any of my classrooms was I surprised, oh, that a little Eugene needs more help in reading. I could figure that out. Uh, I didn't need two weeks of testing to figure that out. So I, I, this could be a real positive thing in a form of testing if we don't go back to the test focus that we had for so many years. I'm not sure it'll happen, though. I think there's too much pressure and lobbyists to get rid of them, but I wish we'd minimize them. Right. I want to give a shout out. I know we're not there yet, but I want to give a shout out to three educators. Uh, let me backtrack. So throughout this virus phase in the political world and in the medical world, and it doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on politically or with medicine, there have been leaders emerge probably on all sides. During this time, I ask myself today, why don't we see any educators emerging during this time? Like, and I'm not going to ask Steve the question, but the question really is, which educators do you know right now that has shown tremendous leadership during this time? And it doesn't matter if you're a para, a teacher's assistant, teacher, assistant principal, principal. I got three people that I want to say um, that I know are making a difference because I see and hear them teaching their butts off. I want to give a shout out to um, Trila Pitchford. I see her teaching every day. The kitchen table has turned into uh, a, a classroom. I want to give a shout out to Celeste Ochanagor doing huge things, huge things, fighting, fighting, fighting for kids and teachers. And I wanna get uh and I wanna give a shout out to um Rebecca Hanneman um once again fighting being an advocate uh keeping spirits high making sure um her students are being engaged at a high level. I want to give a shout out to those three people because those three people I know for a fact are making a difference. That is inspiring to hear that. I, I appreciate that. And, and I'd want to also encourage them to keep going. It must be, though, that you're not feeling well because we're disagreeing a lot on the show, which is, which is fine. But I'm going to take it as you're not feeling well because if you're telling me that uh, there's leaders emerging all the time, I'm thinking the teachers across our country are doing an excellent job in just a short amount of time. They had I'm a transition. I'm not talking about an excellent job. That's not what I'm talking. I'm not talking about doing your job. No. I'm talking about. You're shaming. I'm talking, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking you're, about. You're quarantined in your house since the last couple of weeks. You're quarantined. 
And so you're asking if leaders are emerging, why you didn't hear if any teachers are, are emerging as leaders. I'm saying across the country, I think they are emerging. I think it's happening every day. I think the idea that they had to figure out from going to my classroom to my house and making sure I'm doing Zoom lessons, I'm doing Google Classroom, I'm figuring this all out. I think across the country, our teachers are emerging. I think they're coming back with more fire for their profession. I think they're figuring out this is my calling. I think you're gonna have more respect for teachers. I think the leadership is emerging constantly, but I'm gonna let you go because I don't think you're feeling well. Oh, I'm feeling well. I I'm feeling well. I'm actually being very reserved and not, not going too far in. But I feel, I feel pretty, I feel pretty well. And to the listeners out there, um, the recovery from the virus, it is rough. But actually, today is the best I felt since April 1st. So I, I take it that you're, so in your world, you're seeing great teachers emerge. And I think if we talk to people in every sector, I think you're seeing, you're seeing people rise up to the occasion and, and go at it strongly, and, and that is encouraging. So it's good to see people in your area. It's good to have shout outs, and I think you can continue to encourage that in people, and people can always contact us too to do more shout outs for the positive things that are happening. Uh, but I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it a lot. I'm hearing about it a lot, and I think there's thousands and tens of thousands of superhero educators out there going at it strongly during this time. I want to give a shout out to Deb Gurner, who gives her blood, sweat, and tears for her students in her classroom. That's right, I said it, Deb Gurner. I think she'd appreciate that. I'm, I'm uplifting her too as she's working hard every day. So we have time for one other, one other aspect here, one other area. What area do you want to uh, dive into as we as we finish right, it out. So if we have time for a little bit more, um, I'll go any way you want to go. I've got everything I've wanted to get off my chest. Just let me see. Let me check my notes. Um, okay, so, so Steve, I, I want to touch back on this one for a second. And not whether you agree or disagree. I'm not asking you that way. I'm going to get you on my side, even though you disagree. Do, is it even imaginable for a district to go 15 to 1 all classes? Is it even possible? No, I don't, I don't think that's possible. I don't, think, I don't think there's a compelling enough reason to do it. I don't think, I think going back to it, probably repeating some of it, I think you're going to see the virtual learning. I think you're going to see some districts be, again, the ones that have the social economic means are going to be the first ones out there, the first adapters. They'll be considering how do we keep, especially starting with the high school students that are already doing some online college classes in high school, how do we expand this out? How can we expand this out? Or how can teachers maybe do their homework modules in a more creative fashion, maybe through uh, videotaping or Zoom conference calls? But I don't think you're going to see any district say, because of this, what we're experiencing for this time frame, 
we're going to go with 15 to one, which would crush the economics of the district and the community. I don't, I don't see that happening. Okay. And, and my most important question, if I went to Amazon and bought you a mask, would you wear it? I would not. But I appreciate that you would be thinking about me and care enough about me, which makes me want to give you a hug when this is all over. And we came full circle. Nicely done. Hey, I would. I'm going to try to find you a Superman mask. And you could do it. I, I wouldn't wear it because insert. I don't see the benefit of it. Uh, I, there's reports out there, too, that some of the masks are not right. They're not helping so that's something that i'd appreciate the superhero mask would be neat but at this time i don't feel the need to uh, but i appreciate and again i don't think that's diminishing the seriousness of it i think um we are taking it serious we we disagreed a lot on the podcast i think we're in unusual times as we agree and as we look forward and we go back to what we would say our normal society and situation, I think we'll, we'll see what it looks like. We, Eugene and I disagree on how this will shape out in some areas. And then we agree on how it will, it will forever change education. And I think there's gonna be a lot of positive from it. All right, we gotta start winding the show down. Um, I want to uh, remind the listeners uh, that the book Superhero Educator is out it's out right now you can go get it on amazon and at barnes and noble superhero educator by yours truly and steve garner also um i want to point your attention to the book gumbo for the soul volume three yours truly myself wrote chapter 53 and lastly i'm putting this in the atmosphere when you all love to have an intimate professional development online, Steve Garner, Eugene Pitchford, a night with the superhero educators. More to come real soon. I think that's a great idea and I look forward to getting together with the educators across our country and working through some important topics. And I think I'd love to have everybody get connected with the Center for Urban Education Ministries, a national nonprofit organization that is relentlessly strengthening urban education. So great things are happening. Get connected at www.cuemnational.org. Well, listeners, we hope you enjoyed our time of discussion information and arguments today hope it was uh appealing to your ears uh we in all seriousness we're hoping that you are staying safe we hope that you're being uh, that you are healthy um and in this phase of online learning or work packets or whatever your district or school is doing we hope that you are recharged um to have um, a good week with your students and a, a meaningful impact with your students. So we want everyone to have a great week. See you next week. Same time, same place. We're out.
Thanks again for listening to our Superhero Education Podcast. We hope you gained valuable insights and key concepts to battle the chaos and save the day for all students. Boldly transform lives and be a superhero educator.